Um, because blind people ringing first peels doesn't happen that often. I did feel a little bit of pressure there to perform and be that first, you know, get that first one. But at the end of the peel, and I'll never forget this, Simon Humphreys called, and this is all. And I stood up with both bells in my hand still and went, yes! Hi, you're listening to the Fun With Bells podcast, where I, Cathy Booth, interview novices and some of the most famous ringers in the world to reveal the mysteries of this heard, but often hidden, art. My guest today is Rebecca Logoski. She's 30 years old and totally blind. She was born blind. She describes herself as a new ringer, having started ringing on tower bells in November 2017 and handbells in January 2018. However, she's just rung her first peel on handbells, having already appeared on Bellboard numerous other times, primarily for, for handbell quarter peels, but also one entry for tower bell ringing on the 11th of November 2018. Rebecca, what did you think of ringing before you started? Before I started, I first came across bell ringing in 2015 when I lived in Oldham, Greater Manchester. And I first thought that it was more of a musical exercise and that you could just pull on a rope and hear the sound of the bell play a tune on it. I didn't realise that there was all this pulling off and hand strokes and back strokes and ringing up and down. So I wasn't certain what was really involved until I looked into it in 2017. And what made you do that? I was looking for a music group to join because I'd moved to Hull in 2016 for various reasons and looking for a music group, couldn't really find one. Tried to join the Beverly Town Handbell Ringers, but they were not sure how they were going to teach me. So I came across Change Ringing, Tower and Handbells. I emailed the two tutors, Rosina Baxter and Peter Church. Ros gave me a provisional lesson which I had, and then Peter agreed to teach me in January 2018 after consulting with Ros. When you first started, what, what was that like? That was quite a scary experience because the ropes that I learned on at Hessel were quite long, so I didn't know where the Sally was going to land a lot of the time, and I was also afraid of the rope possibly strangling me. Strangling you? Mm. Was that a real possibility? It can be if you're not controlling the bell properly, but it's not a dead cert that it's going to happen because if you've got really good tutors, you're pretty safe. And when they say, let go, you do so. So you're not really going to be in that much danger. That's a relief. Was it different to how you thought then, the whole process of learning to ring? Yeah, because of the, there was so much more to it than what I first imagined. So there was all the ringing up and ringing down, hand strokes, back strokes, pulling off. There's just so much more to it. Sally control as well. And catching the Sally, mm. how, how, how do you find, that, you know, how do you do that? So I always pull off in a straight line, which it advises you to do in all the, all the ringing books that you can get. Steve Coleman's being quite a good one. So I pull off in a straight line, 
I don't throw out the rope, which is what I used to be doing quite a lot. And you have to be consistent as you're pulling off. Always pull that long, smooth pull on the hand stroke. So I know exactly when the Sally's going to come down, where it's going to land. And I know the feel of the bell before I ring properly as well. I see. How do you get that feel? I test out the bell to, to see if it's light or heavy. So the heavier you your bell is the, the slower it's going to be coming down the lighter it is the faster it's going to be and the more control you've got to exert over it oh, i see now when i talk to other tower bell ringers they talk about the fact that they need to be able to listen they need to be able to have a good rhythm and they need to be able to see the other ropes that's something called rope sight now obviously being blind you won't have rope sight so how, how do you know when to pull on your rope I have rope sense. <laughs> so <laughs> what it is, you know when a person says, if, you, if you're on an inside bell, you know when that person says, look to, travel's going, travel's gone, you are going to pull, start pulling off when the leader is saying, travel's going. And then it just, sometimes it takes a couple of blows to get back into, you know, rounds before you ring a method proper. So, but it's rhythm. It's rhythm at the end of the day. And Rebecca, do you ring a particular bell or have you rung the treble? Have you rung the tenor? I've rung trebles, tenors, inside, mainly trebles and inside, but I have done tenor a couple of times. And how do you find the different bells to ring? Some of them are slow, some of them are faster. So for me, the slower the bell, the, the more the easier it is to to control. So you've got a fast flighty bell. It comes down so much more easily. And you've really got to have that bell control, especially the faster bell, a lighter bell. I've heard that blind people, 60% of blind people have perfect pitch and only 10% of sighted people have. Do you have perfect pitch? Yeah, I've been told I've got perfect pitch, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that's um, something that I'm very envious of. Thank you. It's- Do you think that being musical helps you ring bells? That's been up for debate for some time. I personally do, but I've had the viewpoint mentioned to me by other people that being musical has nothing to do with change ringing because it's a music of maths. However, I believe that having a good sense of rhythm and being able to listen to your fellow ringers is a key skill. And that does owe its roots to, to music for me. And also the, the pictures of the bells, you know what note you're on, you know what other people are on ringing, and you know to ring after a certain note. So you ring the D bell, for example. Somebody's on a G bell, you're ringing after them, that kind of thing. And you, you mentioned there the music of maths. Yes. That's quite, that's quite an interesting phrase. What, what are you meaning by that? So in change ringing, bell places are numbered rather than based on pitch and notation, which is the musical system. So to other people, that, you know, it's a completely different way of learning change ringing. But for me, music and bell ringing overlap. And... For other people who are blind, what tips would you have for them if they were, th- you know, if they were listening to this and thinking, oh, is that something I could do as well? Well, if I can do it, so can you. 
the tutors are really good and really friendly so there's no need to be afraid of that just go for it go and approach it but I would say make sure that you do have a good sense of rhythm and a good technique a good ringing technique so that you know yourself where that sally's going to come down don't be afraid of the bell it's a bell it's it was described to me as a toy so you are in control of that you're playing with that toy you're in control of that bell not the other way around i mentioned in my introduction that you rang on the 11th of november 2018 what was that experience like It was a mixture of experiences. So it was a great honour to be able to ring for the soldiers who had fought and passed away to free so many future generations. However, there was a lot of pressure, internal pressure going on because it was the 100th anniversary of the amnesty. It was my first public ring and it had become so much more poignant this time round because we'd had two family bereavements. So it felt like I was kind of ringing for those people as well. So there's a lot of pressure there. How did it go? I think the pressure did get to me and it did show while I, when I took hold of the Sally. I did try to do three lots of ringing and all of them fired up. However, I was able to get two, two or three minutes of footage together of me ringing to show my family that, look, this is what we've done for the country and for the soldiers and for the lighting of the the beacons as well. So fortunately, there was enough good ringing in there to get that. Now, you also ring handbells. I do. And recently, as I said again in my introduction, you rang a peel on the handbells. Can you describe that experience? Yes, so it was the peel of Plain Bob Major on the 16th of March at Peter Church's house. That experience... There was a lot of preparation leading up to it because I wanted to be the best I could be to get that first peel. And because blind people ringing first peels doesn't happen that often, I did feel a little bit of pressure there to perform and be that first, you know, get that first one. But at the end of the peel, and I'll never forget this, Simon Humphreys called, and this is all. And I stood up with both bells in my hand still and went, Yes! (laughs) (laughs) That that must have been quite a feeling. It was a tremendous feeling. Really feeling. You mentioned that you uh, did a lot of preparation. What sort of preparation did you do? I did a lot on my ringing simulator to make sure that I was completely up and running. Do you think the simulators help? Yes. Or how much do they help? In what way? While they're not a teaching tool, they don't actually teach you the method. You have to know that method yourself. They aid you in practice. So if you can't get near a group of other ringers for whatever reason, it's good to be able to pick up your motion controllers and, and just get to grips with the method with a steady back rhythm of other bells that are not going to trip up. So that's how it helps me. Moving on to that, what apps and software do you use? I use Abel Simulator, which is hosted by Handbell Manager. And I use an online tool called Tadhill, which tests your striking. So you adjust each bell so that it strikes in exactly the right place. How do you find using those? They're very accessible. I have got methodology on my phone, but it's not accessible at the moment. I'm working with 
Peter Tyler, the develop, developer of um, methodology to make it more accessible for visually impaired users. But for mm. the most part, simulator and online tools are pretty damn good. Oh, that's good to hear. Why is it that you ring? I ring primarily because it puts out so much wonderful positive energy for the other ringers around, the listeners and for the wider collective. But I also ring because it's therapeutic. It has a healing effect on me and the other ringers. I also ring because it's a good way to exercise and it's a good way of getting to know so many other people. It's really widened my social network. And and you're becoming famous in the ringing world, I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the final two questions. Yeah. Apart from where you regularly ring, what's your favourite place to ring and why? I would say my favourite place to ring is North Cave because the bells are easygoing and the tower access is quite easy. So you're not stressed or scared when you're going up the tower. Because I've had several towers, Howden and Hedden and Beverly, which have been quite challenging to access because of various things, you know, flimsy rails on spiral staircases and wobbly bridges in the wind. But yeah, scary stuff. But yeah, I would say that Howden, because it's a beautiful sound, the bells are just such a lovely sound as well. North Cave and Howden. And the last question is, has anything remarkable happened to you that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't taken up bell ringing? So the one remarkable, well, there's two remarkable things, really. Uh, the first was the ringing for the armistice last year, which I never thought I'd be able to do. What an honour that was. And ringing the first peal of playing Bob Major. So I love Major Methods, you know, real Major ringer. And having, having such wonderful people around me ringing as well, it's a great team team activity, so that's quite remarkable for me. Thank you very much, Rebecca. That's been really great. Thank you very much, Cathy. Thank you to my guest, Rebecca Lagowski, who has explained how she has not let her visual impairment stop her from learning to ring both hand and tower bells and has shared how it feels to score your first peel. Next, we have a short section where your questions are answered by an expert in the world of bell ringing. Today, Pip Penny, the driving force behind the Association of Ringing Teachers schemes for learning the ropes, provides the answers. First question is, John from Essex emailed us and said, there are not as many people going to church as in the past. Do you have to be a Christian to be a bell ringer? No, you're right, John. There aren't as many people going to church as fast, but you do not have to be a Christian to be a bell ringer. You don't have to attend service to be a bell ringer either. You have to remember that originally bells were a secular thing, and the relationship between bells and the church has always been a little strained at times, so that basically the ringers had the bells in the tower, and they were used not only to welcome people to service, but for all sorts of other things within the parish. So, no, you don't have to be a Christian to be a bell ringer, although a lot, a lot are. The next question, I'm going to play you a recording from Rob from Hampshire, who sent us a question about bobs and singles. Hello, Pip. My name's Rob. Just wondering if you can tell me what the main difference is between a bob and a single when it's called when methods are being rung. Hello, Rob from Hampshire. 
Well, basically, as you know, both singles and bobs are called uh, make a touch within a ringing, and they're put into the ringing so that you can ring the full number of changes without repetition on the number of bells being rung. But basically, a bob moves three bells within the pattern, whereas a single only moves one pair of bells, i.e. two bells. And what happens is that the bob or the single calls the bells to change into each other's paths. So it's not rather than follow the work they were going to do before the bob or the single was called, they now follow the pattern of a different part of the blue line. But basically the difference is that bobs change three bells and singles change a pair of bells. That's why it's a single, a single pair of bells. Thanks to Pip Penny for her answers to your questions. Please let us know your questions and send comments by emailing me at funwithbellspodcast at gmail.com. You can also send me an audio file of your question to be played on the show. More information, photographs and links can be found in our show notes at www.funwithbells.com. I'm Cathy Booth. This podcast was put together by a team. A special thanks go to Leslie Belcher, Nick Boyd, Anne Tansley Thomas, John Gwynne, Sue Hall and the Society of Cambridge Youth for the recording of their ringing. If you're in Britain and are interested in learning to ring, then please go to ringingteachers.org or, for handbell ringers, hrgb.org.uk. Both websites have links to help you get started. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Fun With Bells. Do let me know that you've listened to the show. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. This is one of the many podcast directories where you can listen and subscribe for free. And if you've enjoyed it, please consider posting about it on social media so that others can find it. Next on Fun With Bells. But of course, the great thing about tab grabbing is you have to do something. You don't go out and buy something. You don't go and have a look at something. You actually have to physically do something in each location with other people, which makes it a bit more challenging and satisfying.